They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Hey, Nathan, Resident <laughs> Evil, am I right? Wow. That's, yeah, that's so exciting, Elliot. We're not talking about Resident Evil. I see you're in uh, our father's office, new recording location for us. Yep. So if I have to take a break to field questions from students, you know, it's just the way it works. I'll try, I'll do my best to not mislead them or not lead them down the wrong path in their academic career, but. I am I am just a student here, so it might be tricky. <clears throat> I'll take I'll take some advice from you, Nathan. You can help me. Well, sure. I am in a bit of a teaching role in more than a few places in my life. Um <laughs> Yeah, we didn't plan out this banter section. What did you want to say about Resident Evil? Nothing. I just wanted to I I n nothing. I just thought it was funny because we're both playing Resident Evil games at the moment. And then I thought it would be funny to say Resident Evil after you asked me to not talk about Resident Evil. But John Wick 4, we've both seen it. It's doing gangbusters right now at the box office and at the website, blog, video, reviewer, wherever reviewers gather. Uh, so I don't know what you want to talk about it. You wanted to talk about John Wick 4. What, what do you want to I, say, Nathan? I just said, thought we could mention, you know, we've seen it. I thought it is certainly, I think it's going to be, end up being one of the biggest movies of the year, both critically and commercially. Cause like you said, it's doing gangbusters. It's getting rave reviews all across the board. Maybe sometime when it comes out, we do a full review uh, for a bit of a preview of that full review view. I was not over the moon about it. It's entertaining, but it's also three hours long. I will do, I will very quickly shout out Rina Sawayama. Amazing, amazing pop artist. She's in the movie and she does a really good job, I think. What, Elliot? Oh, that is indescribably lame. Yeah, Nathan sort of left his John Wick fandom back at John Wick 2, I think. Yeah. Um, my John Wick fandom never really existed in the first place. I've always wow. found the movies to be, you know, entertaining and worth watching. Um, and obviously their approach to filming and staging action is a breath of fresh air these days. But, you know, it, it is like the lunch that I just ate, which was Lunchables. It's not very substantive. It's not very filling. And I thought that this movie in particular had uh, character arcs that didn't really go anywhere. And I didn't really, I wasn't really crazy about the ending. It felt kind of, just felt unnecessarily saccharine and unnecessarily, well, it just felt unnecessary. But 
yeah, I it, there were some fantastic action set pieces. I'm glad to know that even in a post 9-11 world, you can have a minutes long gunfight right next to the Arc de Triomphe and the Paris Police Department won't so much as show up to give you a stern talking to. But it was still a cool fight. <laughs> sure. Well, maybe it would have made a bit more sense if we would have talked about Resident Evil instead of this, because this week we're doing we're doing a zombie movie. In fact, we're doing the grandfather of the zombie movie, Romero's Night of the Living Dead, 1968. It's a classic. It's a classic. Classic piece of film history. Are you going to be chewing gum? Uh, I was about to, but I, I just remember, I just realized at that sarcastic question, yeah, that would probably be a bad idea. So no, I'm not going to. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank goodness. <laughs> But I can give a brief, a brief plot rundown if you haven't yet seen the film. It's fairly simple. It was George Romero's first movie made on a shoestring budget. It has real student film vibes in terms of the production quality of it, not in terms of, you know, it being a stupid artsy fartsy movie. But basically, uh, there's a zombie apocalypse. Zombies, uh, a me- I think the explanation is a meteor. The radiation from it is reanimating people. Um, a probe that was sent to Venus comes back <laughs> and breaks up in the atmosphere. And yes, the Venusian radiation reanimates corpses. Checks out, checks out. So there's zombies. The movie follows, uh, I think it's six people. Six living people in uh, uh, pretty much trapped in a farmhouse and them trying to survive the titular Night of the Living Dead. Not titular. What is it? Oh, yes, it is. Eponymous? No, I think eponymous is when it's an action. So this would be titular because it's an event. There you go. Yeah. But, Elliot, you chose this movie. Give us your opening thoughts on the film. Um, yeah, I, I find, I find this movie very interesting in a lot of different ways on a lot of different levels. Um, our father, the one on earth, not the one in heaven has a real fascination with zombie stories that I've kind of inherited. Like I've seen my fair share of movies, uh, played my fair share of games. A lot of them kind of suck, but you know, still (laughs) there, there is something about this genre that I do find interesting and that's uh i find the story of this movie to be almost as interesting as the 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 plot of this movie like the story of how it was made and the impact that it's had ever since i think is absolutely fascinating because um this movie basically invented the modern zombie um Zombies did the word zombie existed before this. Uh, there were in, I believe, Haitian folklore that is where the the word zombie comes from. But it refers to a brainwashed person who's controlled by like a voodoo master. Uh, this movie is where the idea of a reanimated flesh hungry corpse comes from. So, yeah, it almost it came as close as any movie i think is going to 
to inventing a genre single-handedly. I think that this, aside from Star Wars, this is probably the most influential movie that we've talked about uh, so far on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I just think it's so interesting, the time period that it came out in, 1968. So you've got Vietnam, got the civil rights movement getting off the ground. um, And into that comes this movie that's very, like depressing, uh, very grim, very much concerned with the corruption of the family unit and the breakdown of social ties, all centered around a narrative that follows what was, at the time, a rare African-American leading role. And of course, the infamous ending has a lot of racial implications, but also just the fact that a lot of the interpersonal conflict comes between Ben, the black guy, taking charge of a white group where the um, Mr. Cooper, the white man of the the other white man of the group, there's like two of them, I think, um, is visibly bristled by that. And quite famously, I know I'm going on a bit, but quite famously, George Romero has stated that he did not intend to make any kind of racial point with this movie. Um, but I think I have, I have never subscribed to the idea that authorial intent is the end all be all of artistic interpretation. And this movie is often the movie that I cite as evidence for that, because I think that it is impossible to miss intentional or not the kinds of dynamics that this movie has that wouldn't be possible or would read much more, would read much differently if it was an all-white cast. But beyond that, I just think it's a really well-put-together movie. I think it's tense. Um, I think that the practical effects are cool. Uh, I like all the... Well, I like most of the characters. We're, we're going to talk about Barbara, because she legitimately sucks. Um, but yeah, I like the, most of the characters. I like the dynamics. And I just think that it's a... It's a really cool, fascinating movie. There are two big problems I have with it, but we'll we'll set that aside for when we get into the meat of the review. Sure. I think I agree with everything you said. I did kind of feel watching it this time that I might like this movie more in concept than in actual, like actually watching it that I do find everything you're talking about in terms of the racial politics of the film and kind of the psyche that the film is coming from, certainly the national psyche that the film is coming from. I find those fascinating. I love this kind of era of sci-fi where it was like, what if this ridiculous thing, you know, Venusian radiation, what if that reanimated corpses? I love, I love stuff like that. Cause I just think it's very silly, but it has a very, I don't know, romantic sort of sci-fi air to it, that it's not some gritty, dark thingy. It's just some silly sci-fi thing, which I really like. But then actually watching the movie, I feel like there's moments where I'm like, okay, this is, (laughs) there's times where you can tell it's a bit of a, it's not made by professional filmmakers, as well as there's moments where even for its brisk runtime, there's portions of it that I'm like, this is, you know, this is taking a bit, but 
I, I definitely agree with a lot of the other stuff that the thematic material of the movie and the influence of the m- movie, I don't think can be overstated. Very cool. So Elliot, what do you, what do you want to, what do you want to start with here, here with the film? Uh, well, I think that we might as well start with, because you brought it up. One of my, one of the things that drags this movie down in my eyes, uh, and that is the pacing. There are at least three sequences of extended nothingness. (laughs) It's just following the one that the one that is most egregious to me is when Ben is trying to fortify the house, having turned on the radio and it has got to be a solid two minutes of just him putting nails in boards putting stuff over, basically doing housework while the radio plays softly in the background talking about what's going on. And I was like, this is so boring. Not only is it boring, but it throws the brakes hard on all of the momentum that the movie had been building up until that point. And there are other times where that happens in the movie, where things are, they're they're like, those jokes uh, in The Simpsons where they last for eye-wateringly long and it is so obvious that they were like, this episode cannot sustain 20 minutes of content. We need to stretch it out. (laughs) Yeah. And the thing is, this movie is like an hour and a half. I think that you could cut those, you know, two minutes of Ben doing housework and the movie would not suffer at all. It wouldn't feel like, Oh wow, this movie is so short. Why is it so so short? What, how did Ben get the house ready to repel all the zombies so quickly? I wanted to see more of that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's especially jarring because the movie does the opening is very energetic, right? Barbara and her brother go to the, go to a cemetery and then when they're at the cemetery uh zombies appear right obviously and then barbara's on the run and she gets in the house and then she finds kind of ben and then there's an initial kind of sequence of ben defending the house from the very few zombies that are there and then i i think then it hits the sequence that you're talking about where there's an extended section of just ben trying to kind of set the house up. And after the opening is so high octane and exciting, it is a weird, like, okay, now we're, (laughs) we're getting down into the minutia. And this happens a few other times where they introduce a new wrinkle, like, oh, there's more people in the house than they originally thought, or, oh, there's now, you know, significantly more zombies outside than we thought. And here's a, we have a plan to do a thing that, they introduce new wrinkles, but I, it's not doing it in a way that's building the tension up smoothly throughout the film. It's very much peaks and valleys. Yeah, I think that's I think that's very well put. That the movie's tension is very uneven because of the way it's paced and the way it's structured. Yeah, I did. I I just want to talk a bit about Ben as a protagonist. I don't think Ben is that great of a person. 
I think the fact that he shoots Mr. Cooper near the end is somewhat understandable, but also that was a bit much. I also love when he tells the story of like how he kind of got to the house to Barbara. <laughs> and then as soon as Barbara starts telling it, he's like rolling his eyes. He's like, oh, great. This woman, why is she telling? I don't care at all. I'm like, bro, you just did this to her. And she's yeah. sharing a much more like emotional story about her brother and stuff like that. And he's just like, I don't care at all. And then he gets... I think annoyed with her by the end of it that he's like, Hey, get to work. Stop talking. Stop gabbing. Which I find kind of funny. Yeah. I had the same reaction. I was like, well, why does Barbara not, why do you get to have your dramatic (laughs) backstory, but Barbara can't have hers. Uh, No, I, I like Ben a lot. I think that Dwayne Jones who played him does a really good job. He was trained as a, theater actor and i feel like oftentimes you can really tell when somebody is making the jump from theater to screen because it it's just there's a certain exaggeration in their gestures and in their inflection that they employ that is clearly a relic or a a holdover from their time on the stage because you you know stage acting you have to go that extra mile in order to sell it for a much larger room of people who are all going to have a much harder time seeing you and what you're doing. So I just always find that really uh, interesting. And I think that I was surprised this time around by how well all of the, all of the actors did. I thought that Mr. Cooper did very, excuse me, did very well for the, the role that he had. Same with his wife. Um, Honestly, the times when she was allowed to actually do things, like when she was telling her story, I thought that Barbara was very was doing very well. And I ended up feeling like the movie wasted the actress by the end um, because of the because of how little the movie asked her to do. But yeah, I, I think that I agree that Ben is not a fantastic person, but I think that that's that's very much in keeping that would set the tone for zombie stories basically until today is this inherent tension between surviving and maintaining. I don't know what you want to call it. Civility, morality. Yeah. That kind of thing. That tension I think is at the heart of the overwhelming majority of zombie stories, zombie fiction ever since. Yeah. Well, and since you mentioned the other kind of characters, I agree. I think everyone does a really good job. Barbara is kind of in a state of stunned trauma for large chunks of the movie slash she's knocked unconscious because she gets punched. She gets laid out. Yeah. But I think all of the actors do a really good job, a surprisingly good job, because I've seen other like first time movies that it's just like the director and their buddies and uh some of those are really hard are a tough watch i think the only time where i could really tell like oh this is some people is when ben goes outside and i think with like a tire iron to beat off the first two zombies there's a shot where he's on top of one and he's supposedly like bashing its head in or something 
but the camera is too far away. So they, you can clearly see that he's landing his fist like very far away from the other person's head, which is just like a goofy little error that you wouldn't get on a larger sort of set. But yeah, I think all of the characters are well done and uh, not to jump ahead and talk about thematic stuff, but I think they all represent different kind of ideologies of people in America at the time, that Mr. Cooper is very much the nuclear family, right? That he's very concerned about just protecting his own. He's like, we're going to get in the cellar and then that's it. He doesn't have very much compassion for other people. There's an extended conversation where Ben is telling him like, oh, it was really wrong of you to stay right in the basement when you heard people screaming up here and could have come up and help. And the guy's like, you know, I don't care about you people. I'm trying to save my wife and my kid. And then Ben and then kind of Barbara and then Tom and Judy, the other couple that are kind of represent the younger sort of generation who have a bit more desire to help people and desire to do things in a different way from the older people. So I think the movie kind of represents that through those characters, but yeah, all of the actors do a good job. All the characters are, you know, good. It's not like Citizen Kane levels of what an interesting person, but they're all interesting to watch. And I like seeing their conversations of them debating the best way to go about surviving this crisis. Yeah. And that is the other thing that, in my opinion, weighs this movie down is Barbara really sucks. Uh, she is just a terrible, useless character, and I do feel bad for the actress because she does such a good job. Um, yeah, <clears throat> Romero was not great. I mean, Judy and Helen are better than Barbara, that's for sure, but neither of them have as much to do as the male characters do. Well, I, I think, think Romero, I think Romero pretty- did a lot better in the other two movies of the the dead trilogy uh both of which i have seen but in this one yeah the the, the female characters get kind of uh underwritten well i'm pretty sure there's a point where mr cooper literally says something like we only have three people in here and i'm like uh there's actually six <laughs> you're just not counting the women <laughs> Oh, maybe he was uh, maybe he was only counting the women. I don't know. Oh, sure. Yeah, he was not counting himself. That sounds likely. No, I, I agree. There's definitely a generational sort of clash going on here. And it does it does lend its it does it contributes a lot to the tension that does work in the movie. Uh and zombie stories often, and again, I would trace it back to this movie. Oftentimes, the biggest threats come from the people around you rather than the zombies themselves. Uh, The zombies are just kind of, excuse me again, are just kind of vehicles for unlocking what some might call the true nature of humanity out for yourself, that kind of thing. Or at least, you know, (laughs) like, like when... In the Dark Knight, when Joker says in their last moments, people show you who they really are. Uh, or, uh, you know, when the chips are down, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. There, that's much more appropriate. Yeah, good, good reference. Thanks. I I also think this movie, 
and this is just a praise of this movie. I think this movie probably has one of the best examples of the, you've seen in a lot of zombie movies where it's like, oh, we've got all the main characters into an enclosed space and, oh, someone already got bit. And, you know, oh, there's actually a zombie in there. I think this one has the one of the best examples of that in that the Cooper's daughter is a zombie the whole time. Just because it's not like <laughs> one of those where it's like a guy got bit and he's not saying it because he think he can he thinks somehow by not telling the other people it'll change the fact that he's gonna turn into a zombie. Yeah. So then the daughter eats the father and then fairly brutally stabs the mother to death. Which is a heck of a thing. And then yeah, Ben goes down there and shoots all of them in the head. He doesn't care. <laughs> well, he does care a little bit. He seems kind of upset about the thing. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, that, sure, scene was, sure. that scene was infamous. And this movie came out before the MPAA existed at a time when movies, at least mainstream movies, just were not graphically violent like this. So if you go online, you can find stories of people who watched this movie as children or who were left at the, who were just like dropped off at this movie as children and were absolutely traumatized by the end because it was so, it was so unlike anything they had ever seen before. Yeah. I mean, some of the gore is like, okay, I bet that would be shocking if I was three, but other stuff like the woman with her head the dead person who's upstairs in the house, there's mm. more than a few shots of her, and that's fairly gross. I forgot that was in there, so when it showed up, I was like, ah, what's that? And then, yeah, the shot of the mother with the spade, I think it's like a spade or some digging tool in her chest, that was pretty nasty too. So yeah, I could definitely see why that would have been a bit of a shock for some youngins in the old 60s. <laughs> I would not have liked seeing it. I bear, I don't really love seeing it now when I'm 22 wow. years old. Wow. Wow. But yeah, uh, I think, I think that, that I, I do really appreciate how much of this, how much of the movie's tension comes not from the threat of the zombies, but from just the disintegration of the, already fragile spirit of camaraderie that exists between the survivors in the house by the time that Harry Cooper, um, who's always had a chip on his shoulder against Ben, decides that he needs to get the gun away from him, and then Ben defends himself. And then when Harry Cooper is admittedly already beaten and no longer a threat, shoots the guy. That's pretty <laughs> brutal. Right in front of his wife as well. That Yeah, that's... That is dang brutal. But again, that's that's the thing that zombie stories are about. They're about people losing their humanity in different ways, either becoming reanimated corpses or, you know, killing their fellow man to keep themselves alive. And I think that it's done it's done very well in this movie. Like I I could understand why Harry Cooper would act the way he did. And even though I disapprove of it, I also understand why Ben did what he did. Yeah. I guess, do you want to talk a bit about 
the ending of this movie. So this, one of the most famous, or one of the more famous, I think, movie endings of all time. Ben successfully survives the night. He's the only one of the living people to survive the night of the living dead. And in a plot, a subplot that's kind of been set up through, they get a TV and so they're able to see uh, news clips. Uh, the military and just anyone who had a gun, which was a lot of people in the 60s in America, uh, were basically roaming the countryside killing the zombies because the zombies, they're not very fast. This is, again, one of the more realistic, like, they kind of treat it like the zombie pro thing is not a huge issue once they get together enough people with guns. But Ben survives the night. He comes out when he hears gunshots, when he hears these kind of this military group coming by and he gets shot and killed. And then over the credits, it plays pictures, which I'm unsure as to why it's pictures instead of film, why it's not still film, but of them taking Ben's body and burning it with the rest of the zombies, which is a fairly depressing ending, as well as, like Elliot's already said, an ending that has a lot to say about race politics in America, given the fact that Ben is Black and is, in fact, the only African-American person in the movie. Everyone in the military group is white. I think when they shoot it's not explicit that they just shoot him because they're racist. It's more because they're just out shooting everyone and they don't think anyone could have survived. Or at yeah. least that's a generous reading of it. Yeah. And that's the thing. Cause I mean, this is not actually the one, the people that killed Ben are not actually part of like an official military group. They're more like an actual posse that the sheriff rounded up to help him to, you know, supplement his men. And the fact that they mistake an innocent black man as a threat and kill him. Uh, and then the pictures that that show over the opening credits, as has been pointed out many times, bear a striking resemblance to lynching photographs from around this time period. Uh, yeah, I think that even it, even though Romero didn't intend to be saying anything about race in America, it's, it's, I mean, that, that is, that is full on. That is impossible to miss the implications of a bunch of essentially vigilantes killing a black man who they think is a threat to them and then, you know, burning his body. Well, and even, I think, even separated from that, because I think, you know, I imagine he didn't change the ending based on the race of the person he cast as the main character. I think it's always like in the 60s, people were very concerned about government overreach, about the government, right, doing way more than they should be doing. So the idea of a disaster then allowing posses of people to run around with guns shooting everyone willy nilly was both something people were concerned by and, you know, something that no matter your race, you should not want that as soon as this, that this disaster is pretty much well in hand and there's no reason for people to be running around shooting things without, right, verification or without 
figuring out whether they're actually a zombie or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it works regardless of the race of the person being killed because Romero was talking specifically about breakdowns in more general social fabric because at this time you had huge culture clashes going on between different groups of people. You had racial politics, sexual politics, uh, disagreements over Vietnam, that kind of thing there. You know, I know it's, it's weird to think about, but Americans were really at each other's throats uh, over (laughs) partisan policy issues and (laughs) questions of human rights. But uh, so, yeah, I think that it works either way. It's just the fact that, Dwayne Jones was cast as the lead and he was cast in uh, just a colorblind way because Romero wrote the character as white. It's just Dwayne Jones gave the best performance. And so the fact that he was cast as the lead, I think just adds that uh, extra layer to this ending. Yeah. Well, and I think the movie is tackling a lot of, I mean, you know, Cooper and Helen, right Mm -hmm. is his wife's name you know they sort of represent the nuclear family which is clearly not okay or at least Romero doesn't see it as something that's peaches and rainbows given that they're harboring a zombie child who ends up killing them and so I think there's a lot of different things I think this movie is fascinating because I think a lot of its themes have aged fairly well because we still have a lot of the same issues that are sort of being addressed here, but it's also fascinating as an or a very, very early, you know, movies were not all that political or at least aggressively political as this movie was. So this movie is a really fascinating, you know, turn of the decade look at what movies were about to become in the seventies. Every movie is fairly political, even star Wars. <laughs> Alleged- allegedly. <laughs> Elliot, do you have any other, you said you had two big negatives. Was it just the pacing and Barbara? Yeah. Yeah. There are, there are just some other other quibbles that um, I can, I I, I can be persuaded to overlook because of the budget that this movie was made on and the lack of experience of everyone involved. Like things like, uh, like you said in your example of Ben aggressively punching the grass next to the zombie to to teach it who's boss uh just because the camera was set up in a poor position you know it's just it's because they it's their first movie they're they're trying their best guys okay <laughs> um also if you notice while watching this movie that the music is truly bizarre it's because it's all stock music nobody on this movie knew how to make or record music so they had to use royalty free stuff and just find the stuff that best fit their uh, what they needed, <laughs> which sometimes led to some weird choices. But yeah, I, I'm I'm generally okay with that kind of stuff because I understand that this is a first time effort, and also because I think that the the script and the the writing and the acting and all the other stuff is so sharp, is so uh, well done. Yeah, I, I feel pretty much the same. I think it's easy to quibble over stuff with this movie, but it's so iconic. It's been so influential, and I think it earns all of that 
icon iconography and influence that it's had that I think revisiting it, most of it holds up because it set the template so well for what zombie movies would eventually be that there's, it's not like Friday the 13th where it's like, okay, well it took a couple tries before we got this to be good. And I think he really hit it out in the park with the first one. There's just some, there's some passages that is a little boring and there's some goofy, goofy little airs. <laughs> <laughs> but do you want to give your uh rating elliot uh yeah so i find this movie really interesting to think about and i find it entertaining to watch i know that we sort of like with what happened with the dark knight what we've mainly talked about is thematic stuff and contextual stuff but i think that that is to the movie's credit that it's able to synthesize all of that and communicate it in such an interesting way in the form of a narrative. It's just that that ends up being the main thing that you talk about. But the narrative is very strong. The characters are well-written, aside from Barbara, who's terrible. And yes, there there are definitely pace, places where the edits get pretty flabby and they need to be trimmed back. But on the whole, yeah, I think that this is an entertaining movie. I think that it's a fascinating movie. I love learning about how it was made and the impact that it's had. And I just enjoy watching it. I think this is like the fourth time I've seen this movie. Um, and I haven't gotten tired of it, so I'm going to give it a strong B+. plus. Wow. I think I'm going to land about the same place, you know? I feel a lot of the same things. I think Elliot kind of said everything I feel as well as I could. So, yeah, it's like a 7.8, 7.7, I'd say-ish. It's a very good movie. All right. Let's get on to some other very good movies. I'll go ahead and start uh, just because I want to. So I have, as usual, interpreted the recommending a similar movie as literally as possible. Um, My recommendation is Train to Busan. Uh, This is a South Korean zombie movie set on a train headed to Busan. I know. Stick with me here. So it's about... The main character is a father and his daughter, and it's about them trying to get to Busan, which has been identified as a safe uh, a safe place for people in the zombie outbreak. And obviously along the way they have complications. There's interpersonal struggles with the other people on the train. Uh, this movie uh, got really big for a while, I think because it was on Netflix and it just sort of got discovered uh, over here in the States. Uh, and I'm glad it did because I've seen this movie twice and I, I enjoy it a lot. Uh, just like with Night of the Living Dead and with a lot of zombie fiction, it's very much about interpersonal relations and how those thrive or wither in the context of emergencies like this. Um, but even more than that, and I think definitely more so than Night of the Living Dead because of its much higher budget and higher production value, it makes much better use of its setting. Um, There are a lot of really creative things that they do, that they're able to do, and indeed do, because the, so much of the action takes place on a train. So they have to figure out how to get from car to car. They have to figure out how to quarantine the zombie-filled cars. They have to figure out how to switch tracks when they need to and stuff like that. It's very creative, and it leads to a lot of really cool, well-put-together set pieces. Some of them are more action-focused. Other of them Others are more about sneaking around, and it's all wrapped up in a very intriguing uh, narrative 
uh, with a lot of really interesting and complex characters. So it's basically Night of the Living Dead on a train with a much higher budget. So can't really go wrong. Yeah, I agree. That's a good movie. That's a fun one. I think I watched it because you said you liked it so much and we watched it together. And yeah, it's a fun it's a fun one. I think both of these movies are really good to watch with friends that it's fun to kind of see what the characters do and stuff like that. They're the, a fun hangout movie, I think. Uh, my re- recommendation is maybe less uh, related than Elliot's. He goes very literal. My recommendation is based off the kind of mentality that went into this movie, the things that were on a lot of Americans' minds in the late 60s. And mine is another first-time film from a director that I'm a huge fan of, Peter Bogdanovich, his first movie, Targets, which follows an aging film star played by aging film star Boris Karloff as he kind of goes through a bit of a day and in a parallel story to that, to that kind of uh, waning years story, is the story of a Vietnam veteran snapping and going on a shooting spree. Targets is what he is trying to shoot. But it's a really fascinating movie, I think, for a lot of the same reasons that this one is. It's much more dedicated to kind of the breakdown of the nuclear family and the idea of, right, people having to pretend they're they're okay so long that they no longer can, as well as kind of this Boris Karlov representing the older generation and then this uh, young man representing the new generation. But it's a really good movie, really impressive first film. I think he filmed it in like three or four days or something like that. But it is really good. And I think it has unfortunately aged uh, very well. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Oh, it's unfortunate that it's aged well. I really wish I could watch this and be like, wow, a crazy person shooting people. That's ludicrous. Well, yeah, I I think that just speaks to the fact that life is hard and full of disappointments. Yeah, sure. Sure, sure, sure. Well, Elliot, another another great episode. You got Done and dusted. By, yep. You got attacked by a wasp at one point. I did. That gets edited out. <laughs> that happened. It did happen. Uh, don't worry. I survived. And in fact, I killed my insectoid attacker. That's so amazing, Elliot. Well, I'm, bas- thank I'm basically you. like I'm basically like a zombie. I've lost my humanity, and I'm just killing bugs. Bugs. Yeah, bugs. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, uh, thank thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another new episode. Uh, I'm really excited for it. Elliot is less excited for it, but it's going to be a good one. So we'll see you then. What?